right, Hebrews 11. All right, so uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's read our, our text. I don't know how far we'll get. We might even just get one verse tonight. We covered, we covered more last week. Um, yeah, we covered a bunch last week, right? Three whole verses. I mean, what, yeah, so we looked at a lot. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. There's actually quite a lot here uh, with Noah, so we'll, we'll see how we do here today. We might get into Abraham. We'll see. But at least we're going to do Noah, and maybe we'll also touch on Abraham. But, yeah, so let's, uh, let's read our text. Verse 1, Hebrews 11 down through, uh, for now, the end of Noah. Who wants to read? Okay, good. Thanks. 1 through Noah. Seven? <laughs> yeah, one through seven. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet, as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he was condemned. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness. All right. So, um, yeah, Hebrews eleven, right? One of the more well-known chapters of the New Testament, probably one of the most well-known chapters of the Bible. Um, and so, yeah, we've been in this chapter for the last two or three weeks, maybe three, maybe four. I can't remember, but. Um, but of course, this is known as the great, the great sort of hall of faith, right? It's kind of like given that title. It's the faith chapter, and uh, what a practical subject, you know? I mean, it can't get more practical than this in terms of how to live uh, our Christian life. We're saved by faith. We live by faith. We walk in faith. Um, the whole, the whole of our Christian life really is lived by faith, um, and so chapter is is hugely uh, relevant. Um, readers of Hebrews were dealing with real trials, real difficulties. Um, yeah, so look, we, we, we went around the room, we just had prayer requests, and most of all the prayer requests dealt with, I mean, although there are a few praises, certainly the majority are trials, difficulties, hardships, storms, and so welcome to Hebrews chapter 11. I hope uh, you'll certainly find some takeaway uh, in, in the midst of the difficulties that you're all experiencing in your life. So we come to verse 1. Really quick review. Faith is the assurance. We talked about that being the guarantee, title deed, certainty of things hoped for, right? The conviction of things not seen. Faith is believing the promises of God. Trusting God's word is true. Trusting God's promises are true. Um, and as we uh, trust that, as we, 
as we walk in faith uh, in that reality, then we can joyfully suffer. We can, su- we can suffer with joy, uh, like these believers had done in the past, right? Joyfully accepting the confiscation of their property because by faith they were looking to a better, more certain, more comfortable, more secure, more satisfying um, reality in, in the presence of God in the eternal state. They were just walking by faith, believing God. Um, we're going to find out that even Moses in this chapter would uh, would be able to be would be identified as one who was a man of such faith that he actually. Um, regarded the sufferings of Christ as greater than all the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the Lord, given the opportunity to have the world. Moses said, no, I choose the reproach of Christ as greater riches than all the treasures of the world, right? And he did that, he did that by faith. And so, and so verse six reminds us and uh, teaches us that faith is the only means faith is the only means through which we can please God. You want to be pleasing to the Lord? Then you must walk by faith. You must believe his promises. Um, you must believe he's absolutely trustworthy and that um, and that you would be a person that would draw near to God. Again, verse 6 believing that he is and he is the rewarder of those who seek him, right? And uh, so I know we, we just, by even in the review, we just skipped over um, verse 3 that reminds us that we look around and by faith we believe that God created. We have um, Abel as an example of one who believed God by faith. And then we looked last week at Enoch also. So that's, that's where we were last week. So, so really, we just continue to pursue this principle that we must believe that God exists, that he rewards those who seek him. And uh, the illustration of that reality tonight is Noah. All right? So verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. That kind of reminds us back in verse, um, you know, with this idea of being warned by God, right? So there's a, there's a divine there's a divine revelation that's coming from God to Noah, being warned by God about what. About what? That a flood is coming. Okay, so that's specific. A little bit more general, being warned by God about... It's actually right in the text. (laughs) Is that what it is? It is. Okay, see, that's the key, right? Noah being warned by God about things... Not yet seen. Well, that's 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 everything. That's important. What is faith? 
Faith, faith is walking, believing God, believing his promises are true, believing his word is true, believing the warnings are true, believing that the reward paths are true, believing, uh, believing in Christ, believing that salvation is by faith alone, believing that God is holy, we're sinful, believing that God has reconciled us to himself through faith in Christ, believing that there's a heaven to be one, a hell to be shunned, believing everything that we believe, we believe it by faith, having never seen. Right? The world would say you're idiots. And they do. They do. I believe in what I can see, handle, taste, touch, feel, empirically. And we and we're here praying to the world would say, that's the silliest thing I've ever seen. You guys are bowing your head, closing your eyes, and you start talking to who? Talking. I've never seen God. Have you ever seen God? People said to me, I've seen the Lord. I said, maybe you had a little too much for supper last night. I've never heard God, never seen God, never felt Him, never have heard His voice. Is it important to you that possibly those kinds of things God would have for you? Do you seek it? There's all kinds of Christians that seek that experience, aren't there? Some of you have come from churches like that. Like your whole, like the whole of the Christian experience is somehow to try to experience God in some physical way, hearing His voice seeing him, hearing him talk to us. And the devil will be happy to oblige. Right. Are you you able to to just, are you able to be able to live comfortably in a place that says, "I, I I don't, I've never seen God and I never want to until it's time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, no. I that's set up. Yeah. No, that's. I set that up. Uh, what did Jesus say to Thomas? You believe because you see. Blessed are those who have never seen, and yet believe. There's a special blessing that Jesus pronounces on you, who have never seen and yet believe. And so I say confidently, I don't want to see until it's time to see. Other, before that, what a privilege to be able to walk by faith, believing the promises of God's word to be true. I think it kind of ties into also what you were talking about in Isaiah and how we don't really understand the majesty of God because people who actually saw him were like blinded by actually we have this really human-like vision of God, where if we see him, he's going to be our, like, oh, our friend. And yeah, yeah, right? It's, it's actually a scary, a frightening experience. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. We did touch on that Tuesday night. You think of any other passages that pronounce sort of blessings on those who have never seen? Yeah, the, this is that, the one I quoted with Thomas is not the only passage in the Bible that actually deals with the blessing of not seeing, but just believing. The guy under the big tree was that Nathaniel. Oh, Nathaniel. 
that one didn't come to my mind. I suppose you might be able to do something with that. Oh, yeah, right, because Jesus actually said what he said, and then Nathaniel, my Lord and my God, um, and you say that because I said I saw you under the fig tree. You'll see greater things in this, right? The heavens open up and angels of God ascending, descending. Could be wrong with touching the hem. Um, the lady who, who touched the hem of his robe. Yeah, she did that. Yeah, all that kind of thing by faith. The fathers believing the healing for their servants or sons, just believing and going home and finding out that Jesus actually was. I, um, I'm actually thinking of First Peter one. I was hoping somebody grabbed First Peter one with the pastor and just preached First Peter. It's been a long time since we were in chapter one, acknowledging. But you remember, um, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you're distressed by various trials, that the outcome of your faith being more precious than, I'll grab it here somewhere, being more precious than gold, which is perishing, even though tested by fire, will be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And although you have not seen him, there it is. And although you have not seen him, what? You love him. You love him. And? Though you do not see Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith and the salvation of your souls. Okay, so the emphasis, of course, is on living our life uh, by faith. Um, it seems like Romans 5 deals with something. I'm having a hard time grabbing this one in my mind, but um, Romans 5 deals is talking about something in reference to um, hope that is seen is not hope, but hope that is not seen results why do, in... Why do we get hope for? Why do we hope for that which is seen for... Do you know what I'm talking about? Can you find? Can somebody yeah. find that? Is that Romans 5? Uh, yeah, it talks about hope. Talk about seeing? It may not. Romans 4? Romans 8. For who hopes for what they see. There it is. Go ahead. That's Romans 8. Romans 8, 24. All right. Matt, go ahead. Read that. I actually, I don't have it. Oh, you don't have it? It's written right behind Amber there. Oh, that, that's the verse that just constantly shows up. <laughs> it's like, oh, that one we have on the board. Is that the one? You've gotten credit for that. actually wrote it. Go ahead. Matt, haven't you, got, haven't you got credit for that two or three times? Is that the one I'm thinking of? Yeah, that's the one. Go ahead, read it, Amber, since you're right there. <laughs> for in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is that hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Does that help us? Yeah. I think, I think that helps us. Um, God wants us to walk by faith. And Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen, key, not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. Um, so let's go back over to Genesis chapter 6. Let's be reminded of the historical background for this passage. Genesis 6, 5. And maybe another reader, 5 through 13. I can read it. Okay. And God you got saw, enough light there? Uh, yeah. 
And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is as come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. All right. All right, so notice verse 8, um, Noah found grace, right? Well, that's the first time uh, this concept of grace is used uh, in Scripture. Why did God give Noah grace? What's that about? Um, Technically? Yeah, maybe. He had chosen it from the foundation of the world. All right, so God, so God gave Noah grace because he sovereignly chose to. Did, did Noah deserve it? No, none of us did. Yeah, if it's deserved, then, it's, well, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be grace. Grace is God's free and unmerited favor shown to guilty sinners who deserve only judgment. And um, But here God freely and sovereignly bestows grace. Verse 9 of Genesis 6 um, Noah was blameless in his time. God was working in his, in his life, obviously. Noah's walking with God. Noah's living in fellowship with God. All of that is the grace of God at work in Noah's life. Right. And, uh, and so Noah, Noah's a man who knows God, walking with God. Um, verse 13, God said to Noah, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. Down to 17, behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh, in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. Um, building an ark. You just have to stop and try to put yourself in Noah's sandals for, for a minute. Building an ark, boy, that would demand, that would demand some faith. Wouldn't it? That would demand great faith. And why would it? Yeah, so no so God is warning him concerning things again not yet seen. It takes a lot of faith, all right? So I'm gonna submit that it takes a lot of faith to believe God about something that has never happened before. And he, and he's gonna face ridicule every <laughs> single day. And the length of time. This isn't a have faith for a few weeks. It's have faith for a few scores. You know, just. Through a hard, grueling process that takes a lot of resources and time and yeah, so so before Noah, there was never any rain falling on the earth, but he believed God. And uh, so Noah, in every sense, was warned by God about things not yet seen. Uh, rain? What's rain? You're going to destroy the whole human race? Um, 
geez, I thought you were a God of love and mercy. You're gonna burn. You're gonna drown a whole lot of us. All everybody's going down. And and how long from now? 100, 120 years. Hundred twenty years. My guess is some might have said, you know, that's too long. I'm not going to worry about it. 120 years? Did he tell him 120 years, or did it just end up being 120 years? Well, let's see. Um, we have hindsight. <laughs> True. What's that? We have hindsight, she said. I think that will be even more trying to not have a deadline and yeah, just no. keep building every single day. Like, when is this book going? Yeah, just yeah, keep building it. <laughs> yeah. The flood, yeah, so <laughs> believe in God. I start building the ark, and uh, to stay ahead of schedule, I don't know if God's waiting on me or I'm waiting on him, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build. I, I don't know how long it's going to take necessarily, but, it would, but it, we know it took 120 years. Because right? you know we all want a date. We, we want yeah. a schedule on doing something. Nobody wants to do it blindly. Yeah, I have thoughts. Anybody anybody want to jump in on that one before I share mine? It doesn't mean you have to change his mind. It's just a way to make him with you or Brian. Yeah, I forgot the word they used, but the only way we can describe what he did is he by using human words. There's no way to describe. He's not actually changing, but there was a word you guys used, and I can't remember it. Anthropomorphize or... Oh. Some word you guys used okay. to describe yeah. what he does. What's that? Oh, uh, it's anthropomorphic, right? Get, yeah. Um, I think I said five. The anthropomorphic. Right, ascribing to God attributes or characteristics that are consistent with just man. But it's uh, anybody else want to contribute to that or add to that? I mean, certainly you must have come across some people that have pushed back on your view of sovereignty of God with these passages that talk about. God repenting or relenting or yeah, regretting I, I, or whatever. I think another instance of that too is with uh, uh, Nineveh, right? And Jonah. Isn't that another instance when God uh, re- had repent? Uh, I don't know. Had re- yeah, something like that. Yeah, well, they, they, yeah, they, they repented at the preaching of Jonah and then what Jonah warned them would happen and then didn't happen. So. And I think God had repented from carrying out judgment. I don't know. I need to read that. But he did judge up. them at, after that generation, right. in the case yeah. of Nineveh. He didn't judge that generation. But. Yeah, 100 years later, the judgment did fall. Read Nahum. That's the judgment of Nineveh. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I think Mormons have, uh, it's been a long time, but they pushed back saying, see, God repented as kind of a way to lower lower God a little bit. Right. Um, I think they... The answer to that one is different than the other one. It's just that it's it's more just describing emotions. You know, God has emotions. He that they were made as I mentioned. So it's more just uh, just more just like a statement of fact of that God is sorrowful that that He made man as He sees what they're doing. It's just describing the sorrow, not actually saying "oops" or "I'm changing" or something caught me by surprise or anything like that. There's anthropomorphic and anthropopathic, right, uh, language. The, the emotional aspects that we ascribe to God with that language that are consistent with our emotions 
a lot of times that kind of language is used. Are we really ascribing to God, though, that that God is uh, that God is emotional like we are? Well, no, in, in, that, in that regard. He's outside of time, right? So it's not even happening at that moment so much. It looks to us like he's right. changed his mind, but it always been ordained from eternity past what was going to happen. It just looks to us. It's just grieve the Holy Spirit, all, all these types of language. Okay. Yeah, no, that's... So yeah. isn't there an incident on, on, kind of on the vein that where Jordan is oh. of Christ, and it, it's like, I think he said of Israel, I would that you would come so that I could gather you like a hen with the chicks and something like that but it was more like you know he always knew they weren't going to come but do you know what I'm, remember what I'm talking about here? Yeah Jesus weeping over Jerusalem Right. Oh but, Jerusalem, Jerusalem how long would I have desired to gather your children under my wings as a hen gathers her chicks you were unwilling so your house is going to be left to you desolate so perhaps more on that line yeah did God, yeah so can we say that God is always uh, expressing his attributes toward the created realm and it's at times that we see different glimpses of that depending on what we're doing so God is always grieved and angry at sin he always loves his son and those in him. and he's in a constant state I yeah constant say, state yeah that's good of either not, not of, go- of both anger and love and we see differences yeah. as we change he's unchanging yeah no I think that's helpful I think that's helpful Here's what, we, here's what we know. God works all things according to the counsel of his own will. Nothing takes God by surprise. God didn't create and say, ah, shoot. I shouldn't have done that. If I'd have known that they were going to do that, right? Just, there's no oopses with God. This is, if you've ever come across the process theologies, guys, or the open theism, right? If you, Are those terms familiar to you? There are those that that believe that um, God is in the process of learning. He can make really smart, educated guesses because he sees patterns of human behavior, but not even God knows what's going to happen in five minutes. Um, Say again? There are churches, the whole thing is this, um, God is still speaking or ongoing revelation where he's continuing something outside of yeah, yeah, so much so that he doesn't know what Abe's going to do tomorrow. He can guess what Abe's going to do tomorrow because he saw what Abe did today. Certainly involves Popeyes at some point. In time. <laughs> 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 the, the, the triple dipper. And a nap. And it probably work. And, you know, I mean, he knows what we're, you know, but, but, uh, but see, but the but the thing that drives that is is God does not violate the free choices of of our uh, sacrosanct free will. You have freedom to to choose what it is, and uh, and not even God knows exactly what you're going to do. And so He's in the process of learning. That's process theology. These passages like this are, are vital for that theology. This is where they go to see that God doesn't know what the future holds. So God created really just didn't know how it was going to unfold. He had good intentions, and he certainly hoped that it would go well. But when it doesn't, then he's grieved, and he comes up with plan A and B and C and D. That's an idol, not the God of the Bible. Yeah, it's not the God of the Bible. You have to, you have to reject so much of the Bible. It shows God to be transcendent and sovereign and all-knowing and omniscient and all-powerful, working all things in accordance with the counsel of his will and, and all of that. 
So uh, John Calvin talked about the Bible being God's baby talk. God brings language to us that communicates to us within our understanding and context. It's just um, hyperbole. I'm sorry? It's just hyperbole. It's being overdramatic to, to convey. Yeah, yeah, sure, you can use that. Pleased. Yeah. But it's not literal. It's yeah, yeah, we, we bring, yeah, God's not coming down. God's condescending to us with the language, but he's certainly not coming down to us and entering in so much that he's like us in, in this kind of way where he doesn't know. All right, this is, can we push? Okay. All right, and, and yeah, all right, so that's probably, I knew somebody was probably going to ask that, and so thank you, Ashley, for accommodating. That's why I told you earlier we might only get through one verse because I was expecting that kind of thing to go. And with Jesse here, I really was expecting that. But Ashley stepped in uh, on that one, so that's good. <laughs> All right, so here's Noah. Noah's obeying God. In reverence, he prepared an ark. Um, he knows God is faithful. He knows that God is going to fulfill his promise, so he, uh, so he obeys. He fears, he obeys, he builds the ark, and, uh, and, and so, you know, thinking back to verse 1 and how this sort of unfolds in this whole chapter, um, his faith, his faith, Noah's faith, provided the evidence, right? Does that go together in your mind? Because people would hear that and they say that that's that's double talk. Faith is immaterial. Faith is something that cannot provide evidences for anything. You just by faith. But Hebrews eleven one is telling us that that faith foundationally provides the evidence. I think that's just an astonishing thought. Faith provides the evidence. And it's not blind faith. What's what's the foundation for that faith? The Bible. The Bible Bible tells me so. Right? The the Word of God. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. God. The Bible? That's funny. If you're right, it's no credit to you. If you're wrong, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right, so look. So look. Keep, keep, keep this verse really focused on verse 1 because that's how this works. Noah's faith provided the evidence, that is the proof of things not seen. He's the poster boy. Noah is the poster boy for verse 1. The things not seen being the rain and the flood, God's wrath is coming. Is that the things not seen? But he didn't see, he had never seen any of it. God had just said it's going to happen. And, uh, and without seeing anything, he believed. And he, had, and he acted. Yeah, and evidence of his faith was building the ark. Yeah. He believed it. Yeah, he took the promises seriously. He took the warnings seriously. Um, 
Yeah, go ahead, Jane. Uh, I was listening to Vodi Bakum on him, and he said one of the other things that he believes that with Noah was he was probably a really wealthy guy, had a home, had, had livestock, had all kinds of things, and willing to give that all of that up, and did give it all up, or something he had never seen. Yeah, yeah, you'd have so to imagine. Think about his life. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah, good because that's going to ultimately bleed into Moses' same thing with the Egypt yeah. God, treasures. God would have put him in a position where he'd have been able to do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Where he would have had the ability to to come up with supplies to build an ark. That's why because he wasn't getting any donations, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he was passing the tithing bucket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are not going to financially contribute to this. Such a waste of time. Look, if you're building a baseball diamond in the middle of good farmland, what are you, an idiot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's one of the things. You did get that, right? Yeah. Feel the drink. Go ahead. I didn't want to miss it. Had to sell things to buy supplies and yep. so giving up his own stuff. Yeah, I think it's worth. That's a, like the field of dreams reference is a great thing to ponder. I think the difference between like that conception of faith and the biblical conception of faith. The biblical conception of faith, Noah's walking with God. He's believing the sure word. Yeah, uh, <coughs> one who has proved uh, faithful. Yep. Right. I mean, here's George Michael's on faith. Before the server becomes an ocean, before you throw my heart back on the floor, oh baby, reconsider my foolish notion. Yeah, you know, you got to have faith, right? That's the song. Oh, that's George Michael. That's hey, the right, uh, right, wham right, guy. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so the, the <laughs> our, like our culture's conception of faith is action with nothing yeah. to back it up at all. Right? Yeah, blind. It's foolish action. Foolish action. And, and, and it's a justification for foolish action yeah. as opposed to a justification for an action placed in the... The God. It shows you how fallen man takes and twists everything. Right. Yeah, the positive. There's a positive analogy with the fate with the field of dreams uh, on a positive side, but they're also. But it just you, you should catch the negative side as well. There's a huge downside for that analogy as it relates to this. Um, most all analogies have their weaknesses. This has a tremendous weakness because you're you're. He does that based upon a a mystical right. experience. Right. Oh, I heard the voice. I've heard the voice, right? And there are a lot of evangelical Christians that operate on that level. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. So I I would so I exercise caution. What Noah did um, was based upon believing God's word. Uh, even though he did not see, it was it was the word of God that he believed, and that was which is what we have. Yeah, and, that, and that's what we have. So this, I mean, so this opens up a big discussion about sola scriptura, uh, the danger of mystical, Pentecostal, charismatic, mystical stuff that people live seeking, pursuing, wanting to constantly experience something, see something, hear something, dangerous. I think you should just run from all of that the the word of god the objective empirical truth of the word of god we have it and that's what we base our life so, on so so how did noah get to know all this um i mean noah's a prophet then right sure, sure. That, that god would reveal this to yeah him. yeah we're at different places and like that to me yeah no yeah obviously right so we're we're just we're in the place of uh an unfolding drama of redemption where god 
I mean, that, how did the book of Hebrews open? Oh, if somebody gets this, I'll be so excited. Um, long ago, God yes. first time speaks to us now by Jesus rather than by the prophets. God spoke long ago in many ways, in various forms and ways to our fathers. He has in these last days spoken to us through his son. And so, yes, as it relates to Noah, he got revelation in a far different way than, than we are. The Bible wasn't written yet. And now we, we really have, have all the revelation we need. Yeah. Yes. Sola Scriptura. Yeah. The, the, the verse 7, I mean, it speaks to God warning Noah concerning these events. And it also gives us the insight that it was a reverent fear in which for the Lord and which prompted the action as well. So there's that there's that component to it. So he's yeah, he's taking the the warning, God being faithful and, and believing there. But underlying all that in this text is telling us he, he has a reverential fear of the Lord and constructed the ark. That's right. Um, as well. That's what he's talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Alright, so we agree. Noah took action based upon the word of God alone. He just believed God's word, and that was the evidence by faith. That was the evidence of the reality of what God has said, and that was and that's faith, verse one. Um, I just wrote down here. He didn't need the Weather Channel to verify the word of God. Stupid. So sorry about that. Sorry about. I don't know why. I just thought of that. I just thought. I just typed that. He didn't need the Weather Channel. Yeah. Full disclosure. Embarrassing note that I wrote. All right. So faith was all the assurance, knowledge, proof, evidence he needed, and so he spends 120 years building the boat. Building the boat. 120 years. Wow. A huge boat. Yeah, so, so Genesis 6.14, make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms. It shall, you shall cover it inside and out with pitch. Uh, it is, uh, this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50. Height, 30. Cubit ranges anywhere from 17.5 inches to 22 inches. So the ark was somewhere in the neighborhood of 437 feet long, 73 feet wide, 44 feet high and uh, probably the height of a four-story building. It's a big boat. And Noah built that. Yeah. Without machinery. Well, the machinery like we have. And then God, of course, uh, Noah was also commanded to bring two of every kind of living thing into the ark with him. And, uh, and in Genesis 6.22, thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him so he did. There it is. That's faith. He believes and he obeys. And that's staggering. He believes God. He just believes the word of God. Um, man, if God told us to do something like that, we'd probably run out of steam in a week, right? We, 120 years. It's hard for us to imagine Noah just hanging in there. Isn't it? Do you God's feel the weight of it? Yeah, God's grace was upon him. Right. That was what it would take, right? Because you talk about endurance, perseverance, 120 years. um, And some wisdom and ingenuity. There were no shipbuilders. Yeah. It was not a thing. And then you think of the laughing and the jeering, right? That was brought up a little earlier. The neighbors, oh, what are the neighbors saying? 
neighbors are mocking. Don't forget, he also had to contend with all the rock creatures, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of the worst shows I ever saw. That was that Russell Crowe one, right? No one? I liked it when Kane started hacking through the ark and got yeah. <laughs> it. That's just like, oh, this is so wicked. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, I had the very unfortunate. He to Did you go with us that night, Jordan? No, it was that with was uh, Josh Holm. Josh, Josh and Caroline Holm. That, that, uh, I, I missed that great event. The rock creatures. What's up with the recall? The rock creatures. I got up and laughed after they insinuated that the fallen angels helped Noah to build the ark. I'm like, all right, that's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah, demons and stuff. That's interesting. Yeah, God, God was a bad guy, which is the way that they... Yeah. I didn't want to go into it. Well, look, go back. Uh, Hebrews 10.39, just to be reminded, we looked at this a while back, but we are, we are, not, the, we are not of those who draw back to destruction but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Noah believed. And because he believed, acted on faith, he was preserved. Right? He, was, he was actually literally saved by his faith. You get that, right? I mean, there's a, there's a, gospel, there's a gospel picture there. By the way, um, the salvation extended to who? Notice? Salvation. All right, so what's that? I'm sorry, just it extended to his family. Right. Um, Noah prepares an ark for the saving of his household. Um like Jesus uh, being crucified for his elect, his saints. Uh, yeah, it, it federally, right? Because then what becomes what true, what's true of Jesus then becomes true for all those who are in Christ. So, yeah, the federal headship principle is really, it really surfaces here. Um, you're condemned in Adam, right? God doesn't deal with us individually. He deals with us under headship. So he deals with humanity either under Adam or under Christ. You're either in Adam and will be condemned because you're in Adam, or you're in Christ and will be saved because you're in Christ. So yes, absolutely. And, um, and animals in the earth are put under Noah's federal headship too. It's like all of creation at this point is put under his uh, federal headship. Everybody in the ark. As well, yeah. It really is. Uh, uh, it really is. I think an important. Uh, important principle um, Noah's faith preserved his entire house and creation from physical destruction and me because I if it would have been anybody else that got on the ark with him we wouldn't be here right preserving the line of Christ as well. yeah Say again. The line of Christ is preserved. Bingo. Right. That's it. That's what it's all about, right there. Right, because you have this, uh, you have this promise in Genesis three fifteen, right? 
seed of the woman, seed of the serpent, and you have to have a line. You have to have a line. And sometimes that line got very thin, but the line was preserved. It's amazing to think that as as, uh, fierceful and as forceful that God preserved the line of Christ, he preserved me because I'm in Christ. I mean, that's just an amazing thought, Mm -hmm. that that's how forceful he preserved me. Yeah, yeah, good, good statement. Um, we have a infant baptism on Sunday with uh, Jesse's son. And actually the reason that we're doing that has everything to do with what we're reading right here. Um, this whole debate that rages between believer's baptism and infant baptism uh, actually needs to be informed with these kind of passages. I hope you see the connection. Um, all through the Bible, by the way, we see God dealing with households. All the way through the Bible, we see God dealing with families based upon the faith or unbelief of the head of the family. Can you think of examples? I mean, right here is one. Achan. Yeah, Achan. Korah. Yeah, sure. Is that the guy that got swallowed up in here? That's Korah. That was Korah. Remember Achan? Somebody, somebody remind us of Achan. Now we're, now we're getting it. He stole the Babylonish garment and hid it in his tent. Babylonish garment? That's what the King James says. That's what what? I'm saying it. That's what the King James says. Is that what King James says? Is that how it translates? Come on, Brock, me up here. I honestly did not remember that it was that it was specifically specified. Just I thought it, my memory was that he just took some things that were under the ban. But you're saying that it was actually well, specifically everything specific. was devoted to God in Jericho, right? Well, everything was beat was to be devoted to destruction. You don't have to take anything. Yeah, you can't have anything. But the fact that he would take anything would be uh, the violation of that. I didn't remember specifically what he took, but he wasn't to take anything. The point being, of course, is that when they found out what Achan had done, they didn't only stone and burn him to death, but his his wife, his children, everything that he owned which is the same federal headship household truth. And then what Ashley reminded us of Korah's rebellion, same truth there. Um, on a positive note, there's Rahab. Yeah, then you're, yeah. And, and the, you, have, uh, you have the positive notes as well. Um, in the New Testament, continues on, doesn't it? Whether you think about, uh, who said Ananias? I don't I, I don't think that qualifies here. Lydia. Philippian jailer, Lydia. There's another one. Eunuch? Ethiopian eunuch. I don't remember what it says about him as it relates to household stuff. Cornelius? 
Cornelius. Cornelius is another one that comes to my mind. What? Tell me about the Ethiopian eunuch. Is there something that's related to his household? I just know that he said, "What prevents me from being baptized?" Most believers Baptists will use Ethiopian eunuch for their argument, which works. Which works for believers baptism. The eunuch believed, and what prevents me from being baptized? Nothing. So they went down into the water. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So all of the look, we're just we're just talking about this. Because when you come to church Sunday, you're going to see us baptize an infant. And you might say, I don't get it. Why are you doing that? The infant have faith? Did, uh, has, uh, has Tyndall believed the gospel somehow at nine months? I mean, look, his name is Tyndall. <laughs> yeah, we baptize anybody with a Bible name. <laughs> Jesse, why are you baptizing Tyndall on Sunday? Uh, because I believe God's word. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so especially because you see what um, Noah's sons end up doing in the next chapters in Genesis, right? So you see that his family is still, um, you know, uh, delivered through the waters, yeah. uh, baptized even, um, based on the faith of Noah. Yeah, and yet later on you've got a whole uh, a race that springs from the rebellion of one of his sons to show how we can uh, still be in the visible church taking on the signs, um, you know, of it, and and, uh, and yet God is still you know sovereign over all. Right? So yeah. all of us were in Adam. And now are in Christ. And in Noah, for that matter. Right. <laughs> in that regard, it's no different than what a Well, there's more. I think we're out of time, aren't we? There's more that we could say about this as far as um, Noah being a preacher of righteousness. Noah's preaching, judgment is coming. Um, in that sense, uh, every sermon that he preaches, every, every tree that he fells, um, every plank he saws, every nail that he drives into place. Um, testimony. Yeah, judgment is coming. That God has a wonderful plan for your life. Yeah, no. Believe God. Yeah, believe God for refuge and if you reject what I'm telling you through a, because Noah's a preacher of righteousness and I would say that not only is in his actions but he's preaching as well. He's talking to them probably the message of Jonah. You need to repent, you need to believe, judgment is coming and uh, and he's ridiculed, he's mocked. He's rejected, and in that sense, he becomes a type of Christ as well, who also came preaching and who was rejected. And, um, and as Noah's generation was washed away in the flood because they rejected, Jesus speaks about that very same thing using Noah. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They will be eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, 
and then the flood came and took them all away, and so it will be in, uh, in, in the coming of the Son of Man. You're familiar with that passage. But Jesus grabs Noah's story and, and that reality, and he applies it to his own generation, his own people, uh, which actually was fulfilled in the AD 70 destruction of Jerusalem. Um, and there will be a much larger fulfillment in the days to come. So you could say that people during Noah's day rejected Noah building the ark. I lost my train of thought. Mm. Oh, that's all right. I do that all the time. Brent used to be notorious for that. He would start something and then say, finish it, Jeff. No. That's why you do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The older you get, the more you... Yeah. Noah, Noah building the ark testified to God's judgment coming, just like the Lord Jesus yes. being crucified testified of God's judgment. So they rejected Noah building the ark, and they rejected Jesus being crucified for their sins. Well, they rejected Christ, which resulted in him being crucified. And uh, Jesus warned them over and over, Olivet Discourse. Yeah, I had to put some more thought into it. Yeah, the Olivet Discourse is a whole warning on that generation of what's going to happen because of their rejection of Christ. And then, uh, and then remember when he's carrying the cross up to Cal- Calvary and the women are standing there weeping. Do not weep for me. What? Weep for yourselves. If they do these things, uh, there's going to be a day coming when they're going to cry out for the rocks and the hills to fall on them, to hide them. If they do these things when the trees are, are green, what's going to happen when it is dry, ripe for judgment? You are going to be burned to the ground. Uh, by the way, that Olivet Discourse and the fulfillment of that in that generation on Jerusalem is one of the great evidences of the deity and the truthfulness of Christ. That was a very specific prophecy that came to pass very specifically as Christ uh, said that it would. But he uses Noah as, as, a, uh, as a teaching example for his own day. Last point that I have, and then whatever else you guys want to talk about. Um, uh, Noah's family, Noah and his family were saved from the wrath of God by being in the ark, right? Peter talks about that. We talked about that several months ago in our study of First Peter, in which Noah uh, was saved through baptism. Remember, we talked about that baptism passage in 1 Peter chapter 4 as it related to Noah and his family. And in that sermon, I emphasize the, um, a gospel picture here, right? Because the, the flood represents the wrath of God, clearly. Yeah. And the ark would represent what? Christ. Christ. Us being in Christ. Yeah, that's right. Being covered by Him. Yeah, so I see the gospel very much in the story of Noah and the flood. I see the, the ark as, uh, as one of the beautiful types, pictures of Christ in the Old Testament. If you are going to be preserved through the flood of God's wrath, you must be in the ark. Amen. You must be found in Christ. That's the only hope. There's not 18 arks. Pick one, get in it, be saved. Just one. You mean it's not an allegory about how to live a better life? No, and it's uh, yeah, and it and it cuts against our pluralistic ecumenical culture that says there's uh, all kinds of ways to God, and the only thing they won't tolerate is 
the exclusivity of the claim that Christ is the only way. Uh, God did not have to provide for us anyway, but he provides an ark, a big one, a great one, powerful ark that will take us through safely, take us through uh, the judgment. So, beloved, we need to be in the ark. Need to be in the ark. Need to know Christ, trust him, believe in him, believe his promises, love him, obey him, walk by faith in his promises. Uh, knowing that your sins are forgiven through his sacrifice, his shed blood for us, death, burial, and resurrection, embracing Christ, you're in the ark. Safe. Safe. Safe and secure. That's a good teaching. Flood's coming. Get in the ark. All right, that's all I got. Anybody else? Any thoughts? Go ahead, Jess. Just along those lines, I think it's interesting how the writer of the Hebrews ties the judgment of God to the salvation of God's people. Like the two are inexorably tied together. You know, by this he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness. Right, so there's no deliverance of God's people without judgment of the wicked. Yeah. And there's no judgment of the wicked without the deliverance of God's people. Yeah. I, yeah. I have it. A great title for a book that I eventually want to write called yeah. The Day of the Lord's Day. So it ties the Day of the Lord to the Lord's Day. So the Day of the Lord coming to judgment, um, where God is coming to judge the wicked, is very much tied to uh, the Lord's Day, the Day of Salvation, where yeah. He comes for His people. And the two always go hand in hand. Always hand in hand. Oh, by the way, always go hand in hand. Um, when you read through the prophets, all kinds of all kinds of warnings. Uh, about the coming of judgment, and and uh, and in all those passages, always, always connected and tied to the salvation of God's people. Your salvation, and that and that reality is is uh, tied tightly and inseparably to the reality of God's judgment on His enemies. Salvation and judgment, yes, always go together. It's an important point. I think that's thanks for reminding us of that. But read the prophets and see if you don't see that unfolded consistently as the pattern. All right. You guys hang out as long as you want. We got food. Hope you're hungry. Jordan's got chicken over there still and thanks for coming. Any other any other thoughts before we close? I say and God is glorified in both his salvation and his judgment, his wrath. Glorified in both ways. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Father, thank you. Um, thank you for the ark. Thank you for the reality that there's safety, that there's salvation, that there's deliverance for sinful people. Um, you, have, uh, you have provided for us a way, a Savior. And we thank you. Father, we, uh, we pray for the unsaved, for those who are not in Christ, and they think that they are safe because of their own righteousness. They're building their little boat themselves through their religion or morality or self-righteousness. Um, Father, they need, to, uh, they need to have their eyes open to the reality of the day of the Lord, to the reality of the flood of wrath, that will wash them away. 
and their need to be in Jesus Christ, to be found in him. Lord, you've opened our eyes to that truth, and we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for delivering us from empty, false, vain, man-centered, self-righteous religions. And thank you for showing us our sin, your holiness, and, and, the, uh, and the means of salvation that you've prepared for us. Father, is it, is it possible that there may be someone here tonight who is just likes being around Christians and likes uh, being around Bible study and likes being around um, this group or whatever, and uh, and and yet they don't they don't they don't know Christ. They they may still be outside of Christ. Uh, Lord, we know that there are those that associate week in and week out in the visible church in a covenant community who very well may not be truly uh, your people, uh, who've truly trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who are truly in union and united to Christ. So Lord, uh, by your Spirit, be pleased to open hearts through the truth of the gospel preached, your word preached, and uh, save, Lord, save those who believe. And uh, we love you. We're so grateful for the Lamb of God. We're so grateful for the Son of God. We're so grateful for our mediator, our high priest, who died, shed his blood for for us. We love you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.